It's easy when the lights are on. Turn them off. What do you got? If it's not hard, there's the door. Work hard. Get better. It's simple. Practice doesn't make perfect. No. Perfect practice makes perfect. Third down and five. It's there for the take. Winston slides through pressure. We may not have it all together, but I believe together we can have it all. It's hit balls out. Can't lose on three. One, two, three. Can't lose. Jerry Smith on the return. Tackle side. Nobody there for Tampa Bay. Touchdown Dallas Cowboys. It was knocked out by Randy Gregory. You've tuned in to the Two Sweet Sports Podcast. And speaking of sweet, here's the man of the hour, Colton Pickard. Welcome into the Two Sweet Sports Podcast. Once again, welcome back in. Week 16 in the NFL was a good one. And there's some key matches coming up this weekend to determine what teams will get in the playoffs and who will go home. And that's what we're going to start with today. After week 16, there have been three teams, two, in my opinion, that have extremely unique situations. They can win their division and earn a first-round bye, or they could also be eliminated. Those two t- teams are the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. The Titans can get the two-seed in the AFC A lot's got to happen for that to happen, but they have a chance to get it, and so can the Ravens. Three huge games come up this weekend for win or go home. The first one, I think, is the biggest because it's the only head-to-head matchup that we're going to get to see from the teams competing win or go home. Now, some interesting scenarios come up if both teams win, but that's not neither here nor there, that's not going to happen, at least for this opponent, or for this matchup, Colts versus Titans. Indianapolis travels to Nashville, two 9-6 teams. They are the only two teams going head-to-head in this Week 17 winner-go-home scenario. The others are the Ravens facing off against the Browns, the Steelers facing off against the Bengals, and that's a... That's the winner-go-home series for them. The other one is the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles will be facing the Redskins while the Vikings face the Bears. I think that for the two teams that aren't playing, or for the four teams that aren't playing each other, the Ravens and Steelers and the Vikings and Eagles, I think it's a lot easier to predict those games because they're playing lower quality teams. For example, the Steelers, they're facing the Bengals. The Bengals suck right now. They're 6-9, and nine and uh, put money on it that they're going to finish 6-10. and 10. Probably by double digits. If you're a betting man, I would probably put money on the Steelers, and I'd probably take the under because that's probably going to be a boring game. The Baltimore Ravens, they face the Browns. Browns are on fire. This is this is a perfect scenario for the Steelers. They have an opportunity to play a bad Bengals team while the opponent they need to lose, the Ravens, they're facing a good Browns team. Who thought at the beginning of the season we would 
be mentioning good and Browns in the same sentence. The Browns haven't been good since Bill Belichick's been there. That's the last time they've been to the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs this year, unfortunately. I'd love to see Baker in playoff mode, but that's not the case in this scenario. I think Steelers win, Ravens win. whole lot of happens. Who knows what'll happen? Ravens win the division. Yada, yada, yada. I'm sure, I guess. I don't really know what's going on there. I assume the Ravens would win the division if they won, but I don't I don't know exactly. I'm, it doesn't matter. Vikings, Eagles. Eagles, obviously, they're going to beat the Redskins. It's kind of clear. The Bears might sit their starters at this point. I haven't seen anything come up across the Twitter feed or anything that they're sitting all their starters. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did play all their starters, trying to get that extra win, keep the momentum going into the playoffs. That's going to be a hard game for the Vikings to win. It's going to be a hard game. But I think the Eagles will slip into the sixth seed, probably the sixth seed, and take that spot going into the wild card weekend, have an opportunity to compete, and move on. Obviously, my favorite matchup is this Colts-Titans matchup. The Colts, with Andrew Luck at starting quarterback, have never lost to the Vi- or to the Titans. Andrew Luck has never lost to the Titans. A Titans fan said earlier this week that a loss would be his most crushing loss ever, and it could send him into a deep state of depression. That's the outlook right now of the Titans fan base. If you're not from Tennessee or don't know many Titans fans, that's the outlook of the fan base right now. They lose. They're at an all-time low, many of the fans, because just Titans... Success versus failure rate is extremely lopsided to one side, and I think we all know which side that is, Them with them not being to a Super Bowl since coming up one yard short in 99, I believe. I think it was 99 against the Rams. And the Rams have an opportunity to get back to the Super Bowl again this year, but we're not getting there. We'll get there in a second. We'll get there later. We might cross that path. We'll see. Might save that for a- another day. Anyways, the Titans have a fantastic opportunity to end the curse against Andrew Luck and find themselves back in the playoffs for the second year in a row. I think it's just two years. Might be more. Who knows? I don't really care. Titans suck. Haha, <laughs> Colts win. Moving on to some Christmas Day b-ball action that came in this past Tuesday earlier this week. A lot of good games. Some okay games, some not great games. I'm going to be honest, I did not stay up for the Trailblazers and Jazz. Started at like 10. I'm not going to stay up through midnight to watch Portland and Utah. That's just, I'm not going to argue with you. If you stayed up, good for you. If you think I should have stayed up, good for you. I don't care. Keep it to yourself. I'm not staying up that late unless it's my team playing or an intriguing game and Portland, Utah didn't bring it to me. Anyways, Bucks, Knicks, 109-95. Milwaukee took the win. Anakatumpo played a fantastic game. 30 points, 13 from 21 from the field, 4 for 7 from the free throw line. Kevin Knox led the Knicks in points with 21. Uh, it was kind of, at halftime it was, what was it, tied? 
Yeah, it was tied at half, maybe? Who knows? Does it really matter? Not really. No, actually, Milwaukee was up by two. Anyways, throughout the first half, it kind of looked like it was going to be a good game. Kind of close game, but in the second half, Milwaukee ran away with it. 9-26, and 26, Knicks are not looking good, of course, obviously, again. I don't know what they're going to do except tank, tank, and continue tanking 17 games back from first place, Toronto. My favorite game of the day, and probably most people's favorite game of the day, depending on your rooting interest, was the Celtics 76ers. This was the first game that I sat down and just watched from start to finish this year. I'm going to be honest with you. For me, basketball season doesn't really start until after Christmas, after New Year, because then the All-Star break comes up, and then playoff runs start and all that, and of course playoffs and finals and Will LeBron make it to a final again? Will the, Now it's will the Warriors go back to a final? And actually, I'm going to pause here and talk about that for a second. The or ESPN sent out a video hinting or previewing a new 10-part series called The Last Dance about the 98 Bulls and their last title run, I thought. That was an interesting release because it's not coming out in 2000, until 2020. Uh, I don't know why you would release that for people just to wait for over a year. It's going to die down. People are going to not care. I think you definitely should probably have it released in 2019 if you're going to do it this year. They obviously had it ready, so they didn't want to wait until next year. Because who knows what could come up, blah, blah, blah. They can't show it next year. So obviously, I understand from them, you want to get it out now. You want to get it out as soon as possible. And if you can do it on Christmas, that's even better. But with the fact being that it's over one year away is kind of stupid. If you can move it up, you definitely have to. So people don't have to wait till 2020. But I don't think that this... 98 Bulls documentary called The Last Dance is going to be the last dance that you see within the next two years. I think this year could be the Warriors' last dance. Uh, KD, contract ends. Will it go to LA? Will it go to New York? Who knows? He could go somewhere in between, but I highly doubt he's staying with Golden State. Boogie, I believe, is on a one-year contract, so if he can come back and power through, he can look to find himself somewhere else throughout the league. And, of course, rumors with Clay and everybody else on the roster leaving. Next year, it could be kind of slim pickings for the for the Warriors. It could definitely turn into, oh, this is 100% Steph's team. I think, it's our, I think it still is Steph's team, but you can argue that it's KD's team or Clay's or whoever's you want to argue. But it's been Steph since day one. You can argue with that if you want. I don't care. Uh, you're not going to change my mind. You can try, but you probably won't. But I think Steph's probably going to stay because he's the hometown boy. He's the he's the golden child of Golden State. So he's not going anywhere, but don't be surprised if others do. Don't be surprised if they break up, if this year's the last dance for them. Now, are they done completely? No, I don't think so, because 
Curry, the golden child of Golden State, as he is in the similar position of Michael Jordan with the Bulls, not greatest of all time status or anything, but the best player on the team. He's not aging to the point where he's ready to retire or he's going downhill. He might start going downhill. I don't know. We'll have to see about that, but I don't think he's going to have a super tough trend downhill anytime soon. So it's a little different of a situation, but then again, it's kind of a similar situation with possibility of players leaving and and all that, but we can go ahead and we'll come back to the Celtics 76ers game. Since we're on the topic of the Warriors, we can talk about that game. Uh, the Lakers went into Oracle and won 127-101. And I think, obviously, the biggest story coming out of this is LeBron. He injured his growing during the game. People were like, this was kind of like the moment. Is is LeBron going to get the injury bug? Is the injury bug going to catch up to LeBron? Because LeBron is known as a guy who has fantastic longevity. He never or rarely gets injured. He doesn't make mistakes on, few mistakes on the court, few mistakes off the court. And within like the past week, week and a half, he made a very interesting, we'll go with interesting uh, viewpoint. He, he, he showed his viewpoint about NFL owners saying that they had a slave mentality, which kind of got some flack from many people in the media. And then he went on to his Instagram and posted on his Instagram story that offended many of the Jewish community. And he got some flack about that. It was it was it was rap lyrics, so I mean it wasn't something that he was trying to be mean about or whatever. But it came out that way. People took the opportunity to see that and get on to him about it. So those are the two huge mistakes there. And then he comes out against the Warriors and gets hurt. So tough week for LeBron. Luckily the the readings came back for his injury and he's gonna be alright. It's just minor. He's day-to-day. Probably be out for a few games. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers sit him for a couple extra games than he needs to be sat out. I wouldn't expect him to come back until January, early January probably. If I was him, I'd definitely just take December off. I think that's something you have to do. You have to take December off. It's not that big of a deal. They're going to win without you. They're going to lose without you. They're in a pretty decent spot. In the standings, they're behind Golden State, two and a half games in the division. And they're sitting pretty good in the conference. They are fourth in the conference, two and a half games behind Golden State, who are obviously in first. But right there in the thick of it. So him taking a few games off shouldn't hurt them. It looks like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, it looks like they're going to come out and get the win over the Kings tonight. So, or when I'm recording this on Thursday night. But yeah, that was the story. The Lakers dominated most of the game up to that point. LeBron goes down with an injury. The Warriors come storming back. Oracle is roaring. People are excited. People are tweeting. People are posting. Oh my goodness, what's going on? Lakers are terrible without LeBron. But then they slowly pull away again. And frankly, surprise 
a lot of people, including myself, with a 26-point win in Oracle against the Warriors. But let's go back to the Celtics 76ers game. This was a pretty fun game. Pretty fun game. Joel Embiid dropped 34 to Kyrie's 40. But Kyrie only went to the free throw line once, which is something that's an interesting stat. 40 points, 17 for 33 from the field, and one for one from the free throw line. It's difficult in the NBA to probably, I would say it's probably difficult to score 40 points without going to the free throw line two or more times. Just one time at the free throw line. That's very interesting, and it wasn't two shots or anything. It was just one shot. It's an and one. So, Joel Embiid, 12 of his 34 points came from the free throw line. He shot 12 from 12 for three. Fantastic. Of course, Joel Embiid, fantastic shooter. Obviously, one of the up-and-coming stars in the NBA, if he's not already one of those stars. But Kyrie, you know, his father played for Boston, so it's... It, and his father was in the crowd, a bunch of family was in the crowd, so he showed out for his family. He definitely showed out for his family, showed out for his dad. Uh, big game for him, but game went into overtime, and at that point, Celtics were able to tie it. It was kind of going back and forth, but Celtics were able to tie it, denied Philadelphia at the end of the at the end of regulation. And at that point, I kind of knew that Boston was probably going to win this game. Whether it be close or they pull away, they eventually kind of pulled away, winning 121-114, so they won by seven. If you want to consider that a pull away, you can. If not, it's whatever. But it was a pretty good game. My favorite game of the day. The other two games, Thunder Rockets. Rockets won 109, or 113-109 over OKC. Harden put up 41 in the win. Shot 15 of 35 and 6 for 7 from the field. So, good game from him. The other one, the last one of the night, the Trailblazers went to Utah to play the Jazz. And Dame Dalla was not able to get it done. Damian Lillard brought a leg lamp, a personally designed leg lamp. I thought that was very interesting, very festive of him. For the Christmas slash holiday season, whichever you prefer to call it. And that didn't help them. That didn't help them. They were tied at 24 at the end of the first. That's when I stopped watching. But Damian Lillard put up 20. Leading scorer Donovan Mitchell for the Jazz put up 19. So not any big time scorers. Not any 40 point blowouts or Anybody coming out showing off, but yeah, a regular, a regular Trailblazers Jazz game, I guess you could say. But that that was the NBA on Christmas Day slate. Pretty good slate, I think. Better than some years. Some years it's just not been great. Right now on the TV we have Vanderbilt and Baylor. Vanderbilt trails by three with ten and a half to go in the fourth. I'll keep in touch with that. Sticking with the bowl season. A very unique slash very interesting thing happened in my absence. A bowl game got canceled. 
due to weather. They canceled the bowl game, the first responders bowl. In Dallas was canceled between Boston College and Boise State. It was declared a no contest. I'm 99% sure they didn't get through the first quarter. I would be furious if I would have went to this game. I am a student at MTSU, and we traveled to New Orleans for that bowl game. Didn't turn out like I wanted, but that's okay. Had a lot of fun. If I would have traveled to Dallas for this game, and they canceled it, I can promise you one thing, I'd be getting my money back one way or another. They should have probably just resumed the game the next day. I mean, most of the people there, if they could afford a week in Dallas, they could probably get another night. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I think if they're there, they'll probably see their son, their grandson play. They're probably going to get another night at a hotel. Might have to call a Motel 6 or something. But, hey, they leave the light on you, on for you for a reason. So, what's the deal? Uh, that led into a horrible day of bowl games and on Wednesday. The Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, of course, canceled. The next bowl was the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit between Minnesota and Georgia Tech. I had a unique interest in this game, rooting for Georgia Tech. A former high school football coach of mine is now on the Georgia Tech coaching staff. But I don't know for how long because they did not look good. Lost 34-10. to A pretty bad performance. Triple option did not work at all for them. The last bowl of the night was the Cheez-It Bowl. And if you keep up with football at all, you've probably seen the stat line from Molstein, the TCU quarterback. His final stat line was 7 for 20, 27 yards and 4 interceptions. That's bad. That's bad, folks. If you don't follow football, you might even know that's bad. 27 yards out of 20 passes. Completed seven. Four of those 20 passes were interceptions. He almost completed as many passes to the other team as he did to his team. He only completed three more passes to his team than he did the opposing team. And he's the starting quarterback. I don't know how he's the starting quarterback. I don't know how the California starting quarterback's their starting quarterback, but at least he got... 12 for 19 for 93 yards and three interceptions, so that's a little better. But I think this is obviously the worst bowl game all time. Overtime win for TCU, 7-10. to 10. Some good games on the slate for this Thursday. TC, or what am I even doing? Wisconsin-Miami. Wisconsin dominated this game. New Era Pinstripe Bowl was dominated by Wisconsin, and Miami didn't have a chance. This, The turnaround for Miami is intriguing because last year they looked really, really good. Coming into this year, people were thinking, oh, this team could knock off Clemson for the ACC. This team could be a playoff team. Nope. 7-5 and five in the regular season. No chance to knock off Clemson. No chance to get in the playoffs. Get a bid to the Pinstripe Bowl. No chance to beat the 8-4 and four Wisconsin Badgers. Kind of embarrassing showing. Uh, Mark Richt showed his true colors, his Georgia colors, as the coach of Miami. This year didn't look good for him. 
he's got a lot of improving to do. A lot of work to do with that Miami team if he's still there. I assume Miami's going to give him a little longer leash, a couple more years, but I don't know how much further he's going to be able to go. The walk-ons Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana, was between Temple and Duke. This was a uh, this was an all right game in the first half or so. Uh, Temple led at halftime, and they were shut out for the rest of the game. They scored twenty-seven points in the first half. They were up twenty-seven twenty-one and lost twenty-seven fifty-six. I stopped watching after the third quarter because I kind of assumed that Duke was just going to pull away. Coach Cutcliffe is a great coach for Duke. Obviously, he knows what he's doing. He's been behind some great coaches, been at Duke for a long time now. He knows how to win a football game. Checking back in at the Baylor-Vandy game. Now nine and a half to go. Vandy just scored again. So it's 35-31. We'll keep in touch with that. That's the last game of this Thursday slate for the weekend. We're going to have an interesting weekend of games the music city bowl kicks off the slate of bowl games on friday at 12 30 they're playing purdue and auburn will be kicking off in nashville the camping world bowl in orlando will be between west virginia and syracuse that's a 4 15 central time these are central times by the way and the valero alamo bowl will end the night at eight o'clock between 8-4 and four, Iowa State and 10-2 and two, Washington State. That's probably the least intrigued. No, I'll give it to West Virginia-Syracuse since Will Greer isn't playing. That's probably the least intriguing game. Uh, I have a special rooting interest for Purdue because of, I can't remember his name now, but the Purdue superfan, he has convinced me, he's done his job, he's convinced me to root for Purdue. So I'm going to root for Purdue. In that one, I'll be right down the road from that one. So that'll be a fun game, I think. Uh, But, yeah, that's leading us into the weekend for Saturday. Good amount of bowl games for Saturday. Some New Year's Six bowls thrown in with some lower-tier bowls. Of course, the two playoff games will be played on Saturday night. Notre Dame and Clemson will kick off at 3 o'clock central in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic in Dallas. And Oklahoma, Alabama will finish the night at 7. There will be the nightcap in the Orange Bowl. Two very intriguing games, two fun games. I think those will be two great games to finish off the night. But to start the day, at 11 o'clock central, we have Florida and Michigan in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. I don't know if the Peach Bowl is played at 11 every year. I feel like it's not, but intriguing matchup, especially for an 11 o'clock kickoff. So that might be one to watch. That is a team between or a game between two top 10 teams, so that'll be a fun game. And then you have the Belk Bowl and the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl. The Belk Bowl is between South Carolina and Virginia, and the Arizona Bowl between Arkansas State and Nevada. So between the 11 o'clock kick between the Peach Bowl and 3 o'clock Cotton Bowl, you might have to find something to do in between the end of the Peach Bowl and the beginning of the Cotton Bowl. Unless you just like to watch the Arizona Bowl because you're from 
Arizona. That's the only reason I would see that. But that leads us into the weekend, and after that, all you got is some football on Sunday. And like I said earlier, there are some fun matchups coming up this Sunday. But before we get to Week 17, I want to go back on a couple more games from Week 16 that we haven't talked about. The Patriots-Bills. The Patriots won, and they won their 10th consecutive division title. But I'm going to be honest, I don't know how much longer Brady has. Of course, Brady's going to finish out this year, and everybody's going to expect him to at least make it to the AFC Championship, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does. And I expect him to come back next year. But how good is that team going to be? They're 10-5 and right now, New England. They have a chance to win 11 games, but this is not a good football, not a great football team. Let me say, not a great football team. And Tom Brady might be slipping. Bill Belichick's been known as one of the coaches to get rid of players before they go on their decline. Uh, he's traded many players in the past. One of the most recent trades he tried to make was with Gronkowski. He tried to trade Gronkowski to Detroit. He threatened to retire, so he was put in a situation where he couldn't really trade him. And look, he was ready to trade Gronk, and now look at what Gronk is. He's slow, can't move, he's declined. He's not the player he used to be. I think Belichick can see that in players. I think that's a talent of his that he can see. Tom Brady may be slipping. He went 13 for 24 for 126 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions this Sunday against the Bills. And really, it's been kind of like that all year. He hasn't really had breakout games where he's thrown for three, 400 yards in very many games. He's kind of struggled like that all year. He's definitely showed his age. And I don't expect at all for Belichick or the Patriots to trade Brady. I think that would be a crazy move, and I think that would be an extremely unnecessary move. But Belichick, he's known for trading in players. Could he trade in a whole team before they fall apart? This Browns gig is going to open up, and it's going to be very interesting. And Belichick, he can go home to the Brownies. He can go home to Cleveland. I wouldn't really call it his home, but you know what I mean. I don't know if the Browns are going to keep Greg Williams, if they make Freddie Kitchens, their offensive coordinator, make him their head coach. That's a possibility because he has sparked this Browns offense, he's definitely up for a payday. He's definitely up for a payday. If he doesn't get the head coaching gig, he's definitely going to be the full-time offensive coordinator. And if they bring in somebody from the outside, I think he's the first guy that gets an interview. And he's the guy that has the best chance of staying on staff out of all the coaches. But going back to Bill Belichick, I think that he could be in line for the Browns job. I think if he's interested, they definitely consider him seriously. I think it's almost 100% guarantee that he's considered seriously. He's one of the greatest coaches of all times, of course. Five Super Bowls. Uh, all five, of course, with Brady. So can you credit all five with him? Eh, yeah, maybe, maybe not. 
just depends on your opinion. But I think it'd be interesting to see him go there. I'd like to see him and Baker and Freddie Kitchens all team up and see what he can do if he's trying to continue his coaching career. That's definitely something he needs to consider because I don't think he has a very long coaching life with the Patriots, especially once Brady leaves because now with him trading Garoppolo to San Francisco, he doesn't really have a black a backup plan for Brady. When Brady goes down, when Brady retires, he's traded all his good quarterbacks, all his backup quarterbacks that seem to maybe have a future, and now he's just kind of sitting there without a future. If Brady goes down, I don't know what the Patriots are going to do. But that's an interesting thing to look out for. I don't think he's going to leave. I think there's a very, very, very slim chance that he leaves. But who knows? He might entertain the idea. He might see some reports that, oh, he might come back. He might go to... Cleveland. I think that'd be very interesting. I'd love to see that. Uh, the Saturday night games from last week, Redskins, Titans, Titans 125-16. That was a very intriguing game because the Titans playing with their backup quarterback, Blaine Gabbert, for a decent amount of the game. Uh, Mariota went down and Blaine Gabbert had to step up. And honestly... I thought the Redskins were going to win this game. Titans did not score in the third quarter. It was 13-9 to at the end of the third quarter. Washington was leading. I was very nervous for the Titans. I thought the Redskins were going to win. Josh Johnson, somebody very few people have heard of up to this point, was the quarterback for Washington, won 53 passing yards, touchdown, two interceptions, and really those two interceptions lost him the game. Ravens-Chargers, this was an intriguing game due to the fact the Chargers have been dominating for the most part of the season. They had a chance to really lock up the two-seed, one-seed. I don't remember what it was, but they had a chance to lock up at least a first-round bye, I believe. And they lost to the Ravens, 22-10. Uh, like the Lakers, the Chargers fall to 11 and four, and the Ravens are at nine and six, and they have a chance to win their division this week. Packers Jets. That was one of the more high-scoring affairs of the weekend. Uh, there was a game-winning touchdown. There was a game-winning touchdown. Devontae Adams. Had the game-winning touchdown, 16-yard receiving touchdown from, of course, Aaron Rodgers for the win. Green Bay wins 44-38 over the Jets. Jets fall to 4-11, and and Green Bay at 6-8-1. That's an interesting coaching position also. Green Bay, I think that would be something that many coaches around the league would entertain, the idea of going. Uh... Of course, you have Aaron Rodgers. It'd be nice to work with him, but hiring a head coach in Green Bay is going to be difficult for upper management because you have to look and see who is best with Aaron Rodgers because you're not getting rid of Aaron. You're not going to bring somebody that he doesn't want in. So you have to figure out, do you want an offensive guy that's going to try to control the offense and make the offensive make the offense better? Or do you want a defensive guy to come in and 
just really improve the defense, make the defense better, and kind of let Aaron Rodgers do his own thing on offense, kind of work with the offensive coordinator separately, and come up with his own offensive scheme and how he wants to do things. I think that's very interesting. I think if if I was the GM or whoever's making this hire for Green Bay, I'm I would consider bringing in a defensive guy. I would bring in a guy that can help the defense. I think a great defensive team is what the NFL needs with all these high-powered offenses coming in. If you bring it, if you run out a team with a good defense, kind of like the Cowboys, they have a fantastic defense. Uh, I would say a healthy Titans defense is one of the best in the league. So, I mean, if you look around and find a, some teams with good defenses, they have good records. So I say bring in a defensive coach, kind of get that defense fixed, let Aaron Rodgers and whoever the offensive coordinator is figure out the offense, and hey, let him do his thing, because I, I, I believe Aaron Rodgers can get it done in Green Bay with him running what he wants to run, because he knows what he's good at. So I think that's going to be an interesting hire as well. So a couple good coaching searches are going to be going on in the NFL. Vikings-Lions, that was a division matchup that some people had their eye on. Vikings won 27-9. Kyle Rudolph had 122 yards and two touchdowns, led the receivers in that category. That put the Vikings for an opportunity to make the playoffs. They had to win that. They did, 8-6-1 now. They really needed to get that win instead of the tie. Earlier in the year, they could be 9-6, and six, but they tied, so now they have to compete again in Week 17 for a playoff spot. Cowboys clinched the NFC East for the first time since 2016, two times in three years, by beating the Bucks 27-20. Cowboys improved to 9-6, and six, and looks like they're going to play the Seahawks. In the playoffs, who the Seahawks defeated the Chiefs 38 31 in a fantastic Sunday night football game. Uh, this was a very enjoyable game, I really liked it. A lot happening. I expected the Chiefs to come out and get the win. I was kind of wanting the Seahawks to win because I, I think the matchup for the Cowboys would be better against the Seahawks over the over the Eagles. So I like that matchup over the Eagles. So Seahawks win. Looks like they're going to play the Cowboys. Chiefs lose. Now the AFC one seed, I think, is up for... Is it still the one seed? Yeah, the one seed is up for grab. Uh, Kansas City or the Chargers could walk away with that. Or the or the Patriots could get that at 11-5. and five. The Patriots have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs, so if it were to go that way, the Patriots would get the nod to be the one seed. That's very interesting there, but enough of Week 16. Let's look ahead to Week 17. There are some very interesting games coming up in Week 17, some you would probably want to look out for. Patriots-Jets, of course. Patriots have an opportunity to get one seed. If you have an opportunity to watch that, that game comes on at noon. Browns-Ravens, I think, will probably be the most fun game of the weekend. That comes on at 325. 
that would be Central time. Browns seven seven and one have an opportunity to have a winning season. It's the worst winning season possible, but they have a chance to have a winning season. Baker has a chance to prove himself as the Browns quarterback. Freddie Kitchens has an opportunity to prove himself as the offensive coordinator, possible next head coach for the Browns. So we'll see how that goes. Eagles Redskins division rivalry again there. Eagles need a win in DC to get into the playoffs. Bears Vikings. Vikings are looking to get into the playoffs. They have to face a tough Bears team. Bengals Steelers division rivalry there. Two bad football teams. I wouldn't say bad, but a bad Bengals team and a not so great Steelers team. Look to face off there again at 325. Sunday night football, Colts Titans, of course, probably going to be the most watched game of the weekend with the division rivalry, division on the line, playoffs on the line, or division not on the line, maybe on the line. No, it's not on the line. Oh, it could be on the line. I don't know if Houston has the tiebreaker over both teams. Let's see. They split with both of them. So it's going to go into more of, I don't know. That's going to be very interesting to see if the Texans lose who gets in from the Colts and Titans, if either of them gets the division. It'll probably go off points. I'm not exactly sure how it works in the NFL, but Texans could hold on if they lose, but I would expect one of the other teams, Texas or the Titans or Colts, to get that division. It's going to be a fun weekend. A lot has happened, and a lot is going to continue to happen. It's exciting. Uh, Bowl season is upon us. We got the playoffs coming up on Saturday. That's exciting. Uh, Clemson, of course, they have suspend three suspended players. Those have upheld. As of recently, they have upheld. Dexter Lawrence, along with two other players, will be suspended for that playoff game. So that's an interesting twist there. Of course, Alabama also has a couple players suspended for their game against Oklahoma. So it's going to be a fun weekend of football, I think. We got to get through Friday, of course, and then Saturday looks like they're going to be a f- some fun games, and of course NFL Sunday with some playoff positions, playoff spots on the line. And before I go, if you don't know who John Christ is, make sure you follow him on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. John B. Christ, I believe, is his name on Twitter and Instagram, but you can find him. He's a comedian, great guy, funny guy. He, I recently saw his Instagram story with him debating strips, chicken strips over chicken nuggets, and I have to agree with him. I have to agree with him. He got in a little Instagram war? Is that a thing? With Lauren McCrate, anyways, with Lauren McCrate. And she said nuggets were better than strips, and she gave some decent points, but... To be honest, John Christ gave some better points, some more valid points. I myself am from Tennessee. If you've listened to my previous podcast, you will know that. I am a Southerner, and Southerners love barbecue sauce, and she attacked barbecue sauce. And I feel personally attacked and offended and would like an apology from her 
because I'm hurt. I need a safe space right now. Also, you said that Chick-fil-A doesn't have chicken strip platters. First of all, it's a chicken strip tray. Second of all, they do have it. And as a former Chick-fil-A employee, I know that because I made way too many of them. But you know what? They're dang good. So actually, you said 10 out of 10 people would prefer a chicken strip or chicken nugget platter. No, that's not true because Chick-fil-A doesn't have platters. They have trays. And the chicken strip tray is better. And, Miss Lauren, you can't argue the price because the price of a small chicken nugget tray is the same price as a small chicken strip tray at $24. If you would like for me to go into a more in-depth price analysis of this, let me know because I will. Check your heart, sweetie. Chicken strips are better than nuggets. Barbecue sauce is amazing. And that's all I got to say about that. I'm done. Thanks for listening to the Two Sweet Sports Podcast. You can check out John Christ at John B. Christ. I will not give you Lauren's Instagram because she's a sinner. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.